Welcome to the We Are Calvary podcast, where our mission is to share Jesus and help people experience life change. Thank you so much for listening. Here's this week's message. Well, good morning, 930. It's good to see you. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, my name is Taylor. I'm one of the pastors here, and we've had a great weekend at Calvary. We're in a series called Living Out the Words of Jesus, and 8 a.m. service has been going great. Many of you asked, how's it been going? Been going amazing. We do breakfast before that service, which is like, let's go, right? And so it's been awesome. Just the community has been being built and the Lord just been launching something new at Calvary. Aren't you grateful to be a part of a church that's growing and reaching and new people are coming? And so we're just thankful uh, for all of that. We give God all the praise for that. And so, and also happy Super Bowl Sunday. Here we are. Who has, no one scream, just who has the Chiefs winning? Just raise your hand. Okay, who has the 49ers winning? Who just doesn't care at all? In Jesus' name, amen, right? <laughs> and uh, who's here for the chips and salsa and good guac and a mediocre commercial every once in a while? And uh, anyways, enough of that. Would you stand to your feet uh, this morning? We're gonna get into what's most important about our time is getting into God's word. We spent time in God's presence. Now let's spend some time in God's word and living out the words of Jesus. We've been studying the Sermon on the Mount, the moment when Jesus goes up to the top of the mountain near the Sea of Galilee. He sits down and just begins to teach. He begins to show. He begins to lead by example. This is what it means to be a part of the kingdom. And I believe this is a very calculated sermon. I don't believe this was something that Jesus just kind of spoke from the hip. I believe he had been practicing, rehearsing, thinking, feeling, and saying, this is what I want my followers, and I want everyone else to hear about what it means to be a part of the kingdom. I believe that's the beauty of Matthew chapter four, five, and six of the Sermon on the Mount. So I'm in Matthew chapter six this morning. I'm gonna cover verses one through 18, uh, but I'm just gonna read a few of them to kick us off. Here we go, Matthew chapter six, Verse one says this, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. And if you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Now jump down to verse five of Matthew chapter six. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, For they love to pray, standing on the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Jump down to verse 16. And when you fast, do not be somber, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. Are you noticing a theme here? For they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. And full. And so, Lord, we just humbly ask, God, that you would move and you would speak. God, thank you for all the great things you've been doing all weekend at Calvary. And yet, now we come to you yet again in these moments, in this space, in this time, 9.30 service, to say, Holy Spirit, come. We, all of us together, starting with me, we submit ourselves to the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit this morning. That the Word of God is our guide, the Holy Spirit is our teacher, and we all are recipients for what you want to do in and through us this morning to shape us as people of hope. So may it be so in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to I start off this morning by showing you a, a picture. This is a picture of a, a Roman theater. Now, you have to remember that 
the times in which Jesus was speaking the Sermon on the Mount, the times in which Jesus was leading, the times in which Jesus was, was showcasing his kingdom, and the very backdrop of his teaching was the Roman world. It was the 10 large Roman cities. It was different culture around Rome. Rome was huge. Rome was the mega power. Rome was powerful. And so all of Jesus' teaching encompass around, yeah, but make sure that you understand that my kingdom is different than the Roman way. Is this making sense this morning? This is, this is the Roman theater. This is the, the lower bowl of it. The upper bowl would have been that same size, but stacked right on top of that. Pretty amazing that they did that 20 or 2,000 years ago. Isn't that pretty amazing? Uh, or longer that they understood and architect. Just pretty amazing. This is actually one that many of us have been to um, right there in Israel. And it would have been about, I don't know, a day's walk from where Jesus would have given out the, the Sermon on the Mount. And so Jesus, I, I believe he, he's, he's speaking. These, these theaters were important. Uh, they, were, they were put right in the center of cities to help, to help culture move forward. Uh, there's this big word called Hellenization. It's just this word of getting Greek culture into the people. And this is one of the things that the, the Romans were really, they were really um, strong about. They're really intentional about. It, it would have it been a lot like Hollywood. Like they used things like theater to portray through dramas and other things that happened to, to get culture into the people, right? Uh, you know how like, Hollywood has a message that they're trying to send us, right? Well, Rome was the same way. They had a message that they were trying to send to their people, so they used drama, particularly, to help get that message into the people. Pretty fascinating, huh? So Jesus understood drama. He understood the Roman theater, and as he's giving out the Sermon on the Mount, I believe if you study the original language of Matthew chapter six, you see he uses a word that he's, he's nuancing, and he's pointing them back to that very picture, that very place, a Roman theater. I believe when Jesus is saying the word that we read three times, I don't know if you picked up on it, but that word hypocrites, that when you give, you announce it with trumpets, you're hypocrites. When you pray, uh, don't be like the hypocrites. When you fast and, you're, and you look somber as the hypocrites do, what Jesus is saying is he's, he's referencing, and I think they would have heard him loud and clear, don't be like the actors on a Roman stage. When you, when you do the spiritual things, don't be like the actors that stand up. In fact, I think this word hypocrite in the original language is best translated as actor, stage player, interpreter. We see it as hypocrite. Jesus is communicating it as you, you're showing off. <laughs> you're standing on the stage in front of everyone and you're letting them know or you're portraying a certain part of you. Everyone, you all know what a show off is, right? <laughs> you know, when, when someone really wants to make sure they, you know what they're really good at, right? Uh, I, I think of it like that time when you wanted to prove to everyone that you were really good at ice skating or rollerblading, and you're like, look at me, I can totally do it, and you get way too confident, and then you fall flat on your face, right? Show-offs, right? This is who Jesus is calling out with spiritual show-offs. Jesus is criticizing them for being actors of faith, for not being genuine. He's criticizing them for their speeches, that they're way more concerned about their speeches than their hearts. He's, he's criticizing them about their trumpet fanfare that's preceding their acts of service, that they're way more concerned about alarming the trumpet than they are actually about the people that they're serving. He, he's, he's calling out their, their fasting ritual of making sure everyone understands and knows that they're 
fasting, Jesus is calling out that they have an ingenuine righteousness. They are not living out their faith from the inside out. It's from the outside in. In fact, this is what Eugene Peterson says. Eugene Peterson is a, he's an author of the Message Paraphrase Bible. I think as you're studying the scriptures, it's a great way to kind of read back and forth. Eugene Peterson does a great job of helping us understand some of the original language and the phrases. And he says this, be careful when you are trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of being good. Because it might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. <laughs> don't you love that this morning? The God who made you might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. What does Jesus want us to see this morning? I think if there's one thing overall, what Jesus is trying to get through this theme of the Sermon on the Mount, and this week is this. Jesus warns us in this, on the danger of living for the approval of other people. If you have one thing this morning, I think Jesus is, is loud and clear saying, don't live your lives for the approval of other people. Now, let's be honest. We like living for the approval of other people, don't we? We like when people notice us. We like when people see something in us. Let's be honest. We, we crave the approval of other people. Sometimes we're even uh, addicted to the approval of other people. Our, our parents, our siblings, our friends, our boss, the person we look up, for, up, up to, we want so bad for them to think we're good enough to approve us. And I know that this was something they struggled with in Jesus' time, but I might go out on a limb, just my own opinion. I think in 2024, we might struggle with it even more than they did back then. I think in our social media culture, where all of us are so consumed about posting and sharing and making sure everyone knows through the different avenues how awesome our life is, how good our life is, how perfect our marriage is, how perfect our kids is that they've never sinned and they have no problems and they sleep through the night and they are never disobedient and all the things, right? And we just, we just paint these pictures about our perfect little Christian lives and, and people in the world, they go, wow, it must be great coming to know Jesus because your life just gets perfect all of a sudden and then they realize that's actually not true, amen, right? It isn't, but we, we care about making sure and looking for the approval of others. I think we, we try our best to make our lives look so perfect, but it's just not what Jesus is saying. He's warning us against that. In fact, there's this author, I can't say it better than him. His name is Alan Smith. And he, he gives some guides that if you're, to, to help you see if you're living for the approval of other people. He says this, you know you may be living for the approval of other people if, number one, you have an unhealthy need for people to like you. I think all of us have that a little bit in us, but it's just this desire that I need, I need that certain person to really, really like me. Number two, you can't say no to people. This is a hard one, isn't it? Sometimes saying no is the most godly thing that you can do. You're always apologizing. Maybe a good marker to see if you're living for the approval of people. You will go at great lengths to avoid conflict. I know that's none of us in this room. <laughs> and maybe lastly, you may be living for the approval of people if you have an unhealthy need for compliments or affirmation. Compliments and affirmation are important. I think we need to affirm one another and, and see and affirm what God's doing in another. But if you have this unhealthy desire to need it all the time, you may be living for the approval of other people. This is what I want you to see this morning. As Jesus talks about 
giving, as Jesus talks about praying, as Jesus talks about fasting. He's saying these are gonna be profound. These can transform your spiritual life. These can be things in your life that if you'll focus on them, you will, you will, you will look so different to the world. But if you do it for the approval of other people, it'll lose all of its power. Did you hear that? All the things that Jesus is gonna talk about are important, praying, giving, and fasting. But if you do it for the approval of other people, it loses all of its power. It loses all of its power. Let's, let's jump in to Matthew chapter six and see what Jesus has for us. When you give to the needy, verse two, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you, when you give to the needy, when you give, this is, this is a word referencing charitable giving. I think we can encompass this in a lot of ways. I think uh, this is giving to a local church. I think it's giving and being obedient to give your finances to a local church. I think this is also giving to the idea of as you're going through life, having a charitable giving to help someone in need. Like as you're, as you're someone in your workplace, if you have a resource to help meet their need, I think this is what Jesus is saying. But he's saying, if you do it for their approval, then you're, you're gonna get all the reward on this side of eternity. But if you do it for, for God's glory, you'll see that you might not get any reward here on earth, but God will see and reward you in secret. In fact, the first thing I want you to write down this morning as we're taking notes is this. When you give in secret, God gets the glory. When you give in secret, God gets the glory. These things like giving and praying and fasting that we're gonna talk about this morning they're, they're three of what we often call spiritual disciplines. They're rhythms. They're things in our lives that help us grow in our faith. They're important. They're not the only three. We could talk about a lot more, but giving is one of them. And when we give, which God calls us to give, when we give in secret, God gets the glory. I believe that all of us are, are to be marked by generosity. We're to be marked by people that are generous with our time, people that are generous with our resources, people that are generous with the gifts that God has given us. I believe we're, we're called to grow the generosity muscle in our life. Like when you meet a generous person, they didn't just all of a sudden become generous. Like they, they learned, I think generosity is a learned thing in our lives. Like we, we learn to build the muscle of generosity. And Jesus is talking about you grow this muscle of generosity in your life, you, you grow it in secret. You grow it when no one can see. I was thinking about how to illustrate this because I think it's really a profound spiritual principle. And I was, the thing that came to my mind, have you guys heard of the website called GoFundMe? Right? And uh, recently I saw GoFundMe, someone, they, they needed like a van to help get their real, wheelchair from one place to another. And the uh, van broke down and so someone posted their story and, and like hundreds if not thousands of people gave so that we could get a wheelchair or get a van for this person's wheelchair. And this is what I noticed is when you read through, it's like so-and-so gave $100, so-and-so gave $1,000. Then there's that little thing that says anonymous gave $5,000. That's what Jesus is saying. He says, meet a need, bless people, but just choose the anonymous button. Just, just give, not so that anyone can say, wow, look at how much or what so-and-so did to bless. They must have a huge, great spiritual faith because they're, no, 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 Jesus is just saying, when you give in secret, not worried about if you're gonna get any glory from it, God gets the glory. 
uh, a number of years ago, uh, pre-COVID, we were having an amazing youth night here. God was moving. It was incredible. A student had come for the first time, heard the gospel. The spirit, it was like all the stars aligned for this person's life to be changed on that night. He heard the gospel. The spirit of God was in the room. His friend was there to support him. He got a great leader. And like, it was just, God was just moving. I could just see it from up front. I was like, God is moving in this young person's life, he accepts Jesus. He begins to get connected into our C7 student ministry. Incredible, and we're getting closer to camp. And he comes up to me and says, Taylor, I wanna go to camp, I just can't afford it. I said, okay, well, let's pray. We'll see what God can provide. And so I was telling that to some of our leaders. Hey, let's see if we can pray and we can see if we can get away for the student to go to camp. And uh, the leader said, you know what? I don't even need to pray about it. I feel compelled about it right now. I'm gonna give the first $200. Wow, okay, that was very generous. And the next person said, I'll give 100 so that this student can go to camp. And then there was a, another leader that said, I'll just pay the difference. Whatever is left, I'll, I'll pay the difference and this student can go to camp. So I got to go to the student. I got to say, hey, guess what? God's moving. We're so thankful. There's some generous people that have provided so you can go to camp and free of charge. We're so excited. God, God wants you to be there. So you, you, can you go? Oh, I can go, Taylor. It's gonna be amazing. His first question, who was it? I want to thank them. <laughs> I, want to, I want to be able to write them a letter and thank them. And I said, no, no, no. They've asked to remain anonymous. You won't, know. you won't know who gave. Now, those three leaders were at camp. And how many know when they were at camp and they were in a worship context and they see a young person engaging with God, growing in their faith, in community, and God just working, breaking strongholds, the student learning his presence, all those things. And get, guess who had the most joy in that moment? <laughs> the leaders, they got to say, I'm so thankful. And then this student that's growing in his faith and he's, he's, he's having this incredible experience. Do you wanna know who, who he's giving the glory to? Not those leaders, he doesn't know who gave. But who's he giving the glory to? God, because God made a way. Do you, does this make sense this morning? This is what Jesus is trying to get us to see, that when we give in secret, God gets the glory. And how many of us want God to get the glory from our lives, that any good and perfect thing that he's able to do in and through us, we give him all the glory back to him. And not just that, but you gain this incredible amount of joy. Oh, you wanna, you wanna grow your joy a little bit? Just start giving in secret. No one will know, right? Just kind of, it's gonna be, yeah, hey, hey I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go to the Starbucks drive-thru, I'm gonna pay for that car. No one's gonna know that it was you. And just kind of see the things that God grows your joy as you, as you give. Number, let's keep reading. Matthew chapter six, number five. When, when you pray, we talked about giving. And when you pray, Jesus says, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the street corners to be seen by others. And truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling. I love that word babbling. Don't keep on babbling like the pagans for they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, what I don't want you to hear this morning is that we, we shouldn't 
do some of these spiritual gifts or these spiritual practices. I don't want you to hear this morning that they all should just be done in secret and no one should ever know that you're a Christian and you sh- you're, just, you're hiding your faith. How many know a few verses earlier, Jesus said this, let your light shine before others, right? So these are good things. God wants us to share our life and share our faith and to do things like pray in front of people and with people. In fact, uh, I don't want you going to your rooted Wednesday night group, or I don't want you going to your brave group, or I don't want you going to your community group, your house group, your whatever group you're a part of, or you're at a Bible study and, and someone says, hey, would you open up and pray? And you say, whoa, 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 whoa. Pastor Taylor said this weekend that we're only supposed to pray in private. No, no, that's not, that's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is this. He's saying, no, 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 you, you should pray in public, but that shouldn't be the only time you pray in public. It shouldn't be the only time as you pray is in public. You should also pray more in private than public. And like in our family, there's a picture I wanna show you. We, we pray in public. This was, at, this was at a dinner on Friday night. We celebrated my mom's birthday at Mama's Tortini's and, and Liam's three meatball or two meatballs in and some spaghetti. And, and we say, we forgot to pray. And so he drops the meatballs and closes his hands and did whatever he's doing with his lips. That was uh, quite the moment. Uh, so I think that we should pray in public. I think people ought to know you're a believer. I think you ought to pray out loud, but I, I don't think that should be the only time. In fact, I believe this. Number two, if you're taking notes, I believe when you pray in private, your spiritual life gets power. I believe when you pray in private, your spiritual life gets, it gets power. Just some, some simple thoughts on prayer this morning. I believe every person needs a place to pray alone. I believe every person should have a place where they pray alone. You might need a chair, a place in your house, go on a walk, in your car, at work when you're away from people. Maybe you take your lunch break at a, in more of a private room where no one else is there and you can just have conversations with God. I think every person needs a place where they can pray alone. Jesus modeled this. He retreated to places. I think you've gotta have a place where there's no one else around you when you are just you and the Father. Number two, I think the discipline of prayer in private leads to honesty with God. I think when you're, praying in private, you're able to set an environment where you can be honest. And I think one of the reasons why it's good to be alone where there's no one at is I think it's good to pray like out loud to God and to be honest with God like he's sitting right there with you. Because he is, by the way. (laughs) His presence is there. And I think it's good to find a place where we can be alone and we can be super honest with God. I, I wanna remind you this morning, the things that you're thinking, feeling, walking through, going through, uh, you don't need to vocalize them to God for him to know that you're going through them. I mean, we all know that, right? Like, it's not a surprise to God when you're honest with him. But I think the moments when you're honest with him, he says, yes, Finally, a moment. This is, I've been waiting for you, Taylor, to say the very things you've been feeling and thinking because when you say those things, well, I can now, I can, we, can, we can go through this together. Like, I, I thank you for being so honest with me. I believe that there is not int- intimacy with God until there's honesty with God. I don't think there's intimacy with God until there's honesty with God. Number three, I think prayer in private is to get you on the same page with God. 
prayer in private is to get you on the same page with God. There's so many times, I don't know about you, but I can, be, I can have a lot of things going through my mind. I can be clouded, thinking about this. Uh, just like you, uh, us as pastors, we are not, we are not, uh, we also have lots of things going through our minds and our lives. And sometimes our spiritual life can get, take the second place and we can get going with life and going 100, 100 miles an hour. What prayer does for me is it, is it puts God back to where he's supposed to be and it gets me on the same page with him. Because how many know sometimes, I don't think I'm the only one here, but I'll be honest and vulnerable enough in front of all of you to say, sometimes Taylor's writing a script and I think that my script is pretty awesome. <laughs> And then I go and I start praying with God and I realize, oh, <laughs> that might not be what God has for me in this season, right? Are you, are you with me this morning? Am I the only person that does that? Okay, thank you. There's two of us in the room. Thank you, <laughs> Kim. Number four, oh, God loves a simple and genuine prayer more than an eloquent and wordy prayer. Just simple and genuine. Not, no babbling, just being simple and genuine. Number five, prayer in private is more about listening and abiding than it is about speaking. Have you ever had that friend that you go to lunch with and you start a conversation and it's a good thing you started it because you didn't get another word in until the very end? Don't nudge the person next to you if that's them, right? But like, have you ever had those kinds of meetings where you're like, you start a conversation and it was a one-way dialogue the entire time. I wonder if sometimes our prayer lives are like that. I wonder if sometimes we're like, God, here's what I need. Help me with this. Well, we're just talking, talking, talking. And I think all in good intention and God listens and God listens closely and God is caring and God listens so intently. Like, hear me, that God's, God wants you to keep talking and talking and talking. But then there becomes that moment when we shut up. How many know that's a good moment is when we shut up every once in a while and we just sit. We say, God, I spoke for a while. Now, is there anything you wanna say to me? There's been so many times where I've just been on, I've just been on a walk in Sumner, just walking through our city, praying for our city, praying for our church, praying for some needs in my life, praying for some needs of people in the church and just prayer walking. And then I'll just end with this, God, is there anything you want to say to me today? I'll just shut up. You know, sometimes just the solitude is healing. Just the silence of no noise is healing. But sometimes, God, is there anything you want to say to me today? <laughs> oh yeah, he does. Hey, you know that conversation you had that wasn't all that godly? with that friend that you were just kind of mean to or you didn't, you, you worded things too aggressive, whatever. Like we all have, yeah, you need to go make it right. And I gotta call a friend. Hey, here's, or you know that one time when you were going through life and you were just too busy and God just reminds me, hey, would you slow down a little bit? And can I tell you the voice of God is so kind. If you hear the voice of God and it's loud and harsh and angry, that's not the voice of God. <laughs> if it's beating you up, not the voice of God, but the voice of God is kind and it's soft. He says, Taylor, can we work on this together? Why? Just because you make a space to listen. Does this make sense? Lastly, 
Prayer is about listening and abiding more than speaking. I think that was it. Okay, Jesus then goes on and he gives us a model of how to pray. I'm not gonna go through super elaborately on these, but if you read Matthew chapter six, he, he shows what's called the, what many call the Lord's Prayer, but I think really is best described as the disciples' prayer. He starts in verse nine, he says this, hallowed be your name. How should we pray? If you're looking to learn how to pray, how do you start praying? What's it mean? Maybe just start with this model. Start with this, adoration. Start with adoration. Jesus says, hallowed be your name. How should we pray? I think we just start off by saying, God, you're so holy. Your grace is so amazing. God, we, we thank you for your character. We thank you that you are worthy. Pastor Daniel did this this morning in our, at the end of our worship time. He, he read a psalm. That's kind of what Jesus is saying here. Like when you start by praying, just, just give adoration un, unto God. Then, then number two, verse 10, he says, your kingdom come your will be done. And this is kind of a church word and I don't mean to use overly church words, but I think the second thing we do in prayer is we go to this thing called consecration. What does consecration do? Consecration, it sets something apart. Like I was talking about living for our own self, writing our own script or allowing God to write our script. Consecration sets our lives apart and says, God, write the path you want for me, guide me and lead me. And we, we consecrate, we make holy, we separate our lives. Your life should look different than everyone else's lives that's a non-believer. Can we disagree with that? And that's what Jesus says. Consecrate your life. Set it apart. God, you're holy. God, I want your kingdom for my life more than I want my kingdom for my life. Number three, give us today our daily bread. This is supplication. This is expressing a need. God loves when we just are honest about the needs and he provides according to his will and his power and his provision. We could do a whole teaching on daily bread, but the people of Israel were just so, they were so ready for just that daily manna. Like God, they wouldn't know if they were gonna have food that day and then God would just drop just enough food for just that day. Say, God, I need, I need this. Okay, well, he might not give you enough for tomorrow, but he's gonna give you enough for today. Right, that's daily, that's daily bread. We say, God, I have a need. And then you go into this, what Jesus calls in other places in scripture, it's a church word, intercession. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. What's that word intercession mean? That word intercession means you literally stand in the gap. Like you're, you're, you're in the middle between a debtor and someone who needs to pay their debt to the one, the, the, the one that they owe the debt to. You stand in the gap. This is what Jesus did for us. He was our intercessor. He came into this world because we had a debt that we couldn't pay. So he paid the debt we couldn't pay to the Father by going to the cross. Is this making sense this morning? That's the intercessor that's standing in the gap. Jesus is saying, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In other words, stand in the gap for those that might've hurt you. Stand in the gap, be an intercessor for those that have debts even against you. We, we gotta be people that are intercessors. What's that word mean? It means there's a need here and I'm gonna stand in the gap and I'm gonna pray to God. Not because my life has more power than your life or not because even because I'm a pastor, I'm able to pray more, it's more, no, no, no. We, we together as the church, we're called to pray for a need to, on behalf of that person to the Father. We pray for one another. I, I wanna remind you this morning, I just felt this morning as, during the 8 a.m. service, there's some people here that have forgotten the power of prayer. If you're going through a need this morning that a doctor can't solve, that amount of money can't solve, that uh, a medication can't solve, that a counselor can't solve, might I recommend this morning, you go to God in prayer. 
Come on, church, we gotta raise our expectation that God is a God who hears our prayers. And God's the God that breathed and earth came into existence. He's the, God that, he's the God that spoke and things were created. Why do we think our little situations are too big for God? God is so big this morning. And catch, he's going to answer it according to his will. I don't believe we can say some magical prayer and it's just gonna change God's heart or or change his mind about his will. No, he's gonna answer it according to his will, but he also answers it according to the faith of Jesus in us. And Jesus might put some faith in you so that you can pray something on behalf of another person because God wants to use you to help be a part of the solution. Is this making any sense this morning? Let's raise our expectation when it comes comes to prayer and intercession on, on behalf of another person. Lastly, protection. In prayer, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We ought to pray protection over our minds. We ought to pray protection over our marriages. We ought to pray protection over our families. We ought to pray protection over our kids. Can I just tell you how often the enemy is going to attack? He's going to attack your marriage. He's going to get you. He's going to get you fighting and, and nitpicking each other, and that's going to seep down into your kids. So you got to pray protection over your marriage that God would would, would strengthen you. And then we got to pray protection over the minds of our young people. We got to pray for our kids every single day. Grandmas and grandpas, our grandkids, they need your prayers. They need you praying for them and believing for them invite you if you want to keep growing in your prayer life to join us that are practicing the way this Wednesday as we learn and grow what it means to experience prayer together. So we talked about giving, praying, and let's, let's land the plane here. Jesus talks about, he talks about fasting. In Matthew chapter six, verse 16, he says this, when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. In other words, take a shower and put your hair gel on (laughs) so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Hope you've seen maybe something in all these scriptures. Jesus, he says this phrase, he says, when you pray, he says, when you give. And here he, say, he says, when you fast. Notice he didn't say if. <laughs> if you give, if you pray, if you fast. He says, when you. Assuming that his followers were gonna be people of giving and a prayer and a fasting and some other things that he'll talk about later. We're called to do these things. And there was a, a group of people that were, that were taking fasting and they were making a scene out of it, making a big deal out of it. It would be like, it'd be like if you were fasting food, not fast food, but fasting from food. And you decided that, okay, I'm gonna fast two meals and breakfast was fine. You're getting a little bit hungry mid-morning and then get closer to lunch and you're sitting with all of your friends and they're eating their Cobb salad from some restaurant, right? And you're sitting there and you've made a commitment to God that you're gonna fast. Why? We choose to fast something like food, something physical. We choose to fast something physical so that we might have a greater awareness of something spiritual, right? 
So you fast something like food so that when you're hungry and you begin to feel all those emotions and all the things that come to your life and your mind, you have a clearer mind to process something spiritual. Is this making sense? So it would be like, this scripture would be like you going to lunch and you're fasting for the right reasons. And then all of a sudden (laughs) your friend's like, you want some food? Oh, I'm really hungry. I'm starving. I could totally eat four Big Macs right now. This would be amazing, right? But I can't have any because I'm fasting right now. <laughs> so don't, don't offer it to me. But if I could have it, I'd be super, I'm, right? That's what Jesus is saying these people are doing. They're making a big deal about it. Just know if you're gonna fast, just humbly choose to fast. And you should fast. Fasting is giving something that you crave. I love what, this line means number, th- number three, if you're taking notes, when you fast discreetly, you learn that absence creates dependence. When you fast discreetly, you learn that absence creates dependence because here's the reality. You, you're, you're gonna fast. Let's say something like food. You're gonna be hungry. What's it gonna draw you to do? Yeah, you're gonna wanna eat, but you told yourself you're not gonna do that. So you go to the Father and you say, God, I'm pretty hungry right now. (laughs) But I thank you that you're the bread of life because he provides a spiritual need that's even greater than the very physical need that you think you have, right? When you fast, I challenge you to fast, to to have a practice of fasting. This Wednesday is, uh, just a reminder, it's Valentine's Day. If you haven't bought your flowers or your gifts, this is your Sunday reminder. You've got a couple days till Valentine's Day. It also is the beginning of Lent. Lent is 40 days before Easter. What a beautiful opportunity to choose something for 40 days to not do, and instead of doing that very thing, you do something spiritual. So let's say social media is an easy one. Let's say you choose for 40 days to not go on any social media. You delete the apps, you don't go on your computer for for your social media or your phone or anywhere, and you say, "For, for 40 days, I'm not going to go on that. So what do you do? When you have that craving to go on social media, you say, I'm not gonna do that. Instead, I'm gonna spend that time in God's word. That's what fasting is. It's instead of doing something physical, you do something spiritual. Now, don't tell everyone. Don't go to your phone and say, hey, by the way, I'm gonna be off social media for 40 days. Look at how holy and spiritual I am. No, just do it. Choose to do it. Oh, I believe when we give in secret, God gets the glory. When we pray in private, our spiritual lives get power. Oh, when we fast discreetly, we get this absence of something physical that gives us something powerful in a spiritual realm because we learn our dependence on God. Amen? Amen. This is the word of the Lord. This is Jesus' words this morning. I'm gonna pray in just a moment. Will you stand to your feet? Let's respond to this song together. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to partner with us in sharing Jesus and helping people experience life change, you can support our mission by clicking the link in the description. If this message has impacted you, please subscribe and share. To learn more, visit wearecalvary.com. We'll see you back next week.